when you get people, um, people of interest, um, people, uh, uh, of more diverse backgrounds on the stage of E3 or whatever E3 is going to be in the future. Like that's really positive. You don't have to be um, a, a white guy to get on stage at E3. Welcome to Replay, the show that invites you to join us at the game table. I'm your host, Clara Mount. On Replay, we're building a more inclusive community by creating a space for underrepresented gamers and their allies to share their voice. We'll tell stories about our experiences and provide new perspectives that challenge our community to think differently about who we are and what we do. Replay is a Victor Media Group original. You can find episodes of this and all other Victor Media Group shows on our website at victormediagroup.co. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe and connect with us on your favorite social media platform. All right, today's guest is Nate Yell. He's a game designer at Iron Galaxy Studios, which is the studio that worked on Killer Instinct and ports for Overwatch and Diablo 3. Uh, in the past, he worked at EA and some other small studios in the Orlando area, and he's actually coming up on 10 years in the video game industry, which is pretty fucking weird, I guess. Uh. Um <laughs> <laughs> but outside of his work in video games, Nate's also very into tabletop RPGs. So I happen to know personally that he is a fabulous Shadowrun GM and a very creative player. Um, maybe we'll get to hear some stories about that in a little bit. So let's hear it for Nate. Welcome to Replay. Oh, yeah, Nate. Thank Perfect. You. Thank you. I'm going to put sound effects there now just because you did that. You got to throw some applause there. Gotta, gotta. 10 years. That That's a decade. Uh, yes. I... Yeah, it's been 10 years and I still have imposter syndrome, 100%. 100%. I don't I don't think imposter syndrome really goes away for anyone, but like not eh. in this industry either. Like I I I was training people that were interns that uh had been working on like Unreal Engine 4 for school mm -hmm. and like they just know like way more stuff than I do. And I'm like, why am I tutoring you? Like, this should be in, like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, you know this engine better than I do at this yeah. point. Like, <laughs> I know it very specifically for this one thing. You know it for, like, 20 other things. Like, you should, yeah. Wild. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> All right. Well, we, okay. So just moving right along. We know my first section here is always about just games in general and, and your experiences with games. So, um, Nate, what's the number one reason that people should care about games? Uh, um, there's a lot of reasons. Number one. Um, okay. Okay. So I really like games and the uh, idea of like self-therapy. Mm. Uh, there's, uh, we were talking about this earlier um, mm -hmm. before we started about like uh, how during COVID a lot of people went towards Animal Crossing uh, yeah. for uh, going outside, you know, doing outside things like shoveling, <laughs> uh, uh, building houses, talking to friends, that catching kind of bugs, catching bugs. There was gross mm -hmm. bugs in that game, but also really cute bugs. So, so self therapy. Um, so there's, there's that right. And like, I, I've had tough times where I've, I've gone through and, and, and played certain games in order to get through tough times. That's been very helpful. And also just, 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 just get your mind off of things. Mm -hmm. There was this, um, uh, unprepped, uh, uh, random factoid. There is this really cool Ted talk that I saw about, um, the way that the brain works and, uh, basically going through depression or, or, or just going through like crappy times, uh, 
there's a study that says that if you can get your mind to change to fixate on something else for four seconds, then like you are you you will be fine at that point. Like like it's much easier to forget about the thing that you were just thinking about, um, that you're focusing on, that you're beating yourself up about. Oh. And, and, and games are a very good way to do that. Yeah, like if you're ever having a tough time, like like do your best to think like consciously think about something else. Um and count to four. <laughs> and like Interesting. It's, it's, it's very surprising um how accurate that is for me uh it, it, it it's been very helpful that's awesome so games yeah. kind of act as like that sort of distraction for you or that like gives you something else to fixate on is that what you're saying definitely there's yeah there's definitely that um and all right um so i, I don't think there's really any other um uh roger eberts that are saying that video games aren't art anymore uh but mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting how video games in 2020 less so than 20, 10 years ago but um i i think it's interesting that video games are like the um the rock of new media so to speak in in the sense that um it, it's gone through its its lifetime phases that i feel like new media goes through where mm-hmm. it's very niche initially um people uh that are on the outside of it uh Criticize is the wrong word, but like, you know, have they don't uh, get it. They they stereotype people who play it, right? Yeah. Or or, mm-hmm. or who involve themselves in it. Uh and I, I feel like that's way less so nowadays. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is making a movie right now where he's a NPC in a Grand Theft Auto world. So oh like God. it's profitable right now, right? <laughs> Uh, LeBron James is in Fortnite. Like it's, it, it's mainstream, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's more common that you're going to find someone who's played a game than read a book at this point. Right. Um, so it's just, um, and I, I lump video games in the same category as interactive media mm-hmm. nowadays. And I think, uh, it's important to, I think it's important for everyone to experience all kinds of different media. And I, I don't know if you have games like this, but like, I have like, a back pocket of games that I would recommend to anybody, even my grandparents. Uh, but <laughs> like, um, there's this one game called, uh, um, Florence on, mm. it's a, it's a mobile game that is, um, incredible. Uh, it, it is so good. Uh, it, it's so good at telling a story and it's, it's, it's basically the story of our relationship and mm-hmm. how a relationship, um, has ups and downs and it's very, um, God, it's, uh, if people can play that game without crying, they are inhuman. Oh, uh, it, it, it's extremely relatable for anybody out there. And, uh, the, the beautiful thing about it too, is that th- there's no dialogue. Um, there, oh, that's so zero, interesting. There's zero dialogue and they communicate all of things that would be dialogue through video game mechanics. So like it, it's, it's kind of like warrior where, where like every sequence of events, there's like a, a mini game that you have to do. And um, in the first date, uh, y- the way it works is uh, imagine this like this cylinder that has like three different pieces in it, and you have mm-hmm. um, these jigsaw pieces that fit into into the cylinder, and uh, y- you pop in a piece, and then he pops in a piece, and then like and then you also fit in the middle piece. So it's like, and it starts off really hard to get the pieces in there, um, mm-hmm. but then like as, as the conversation goes on, as the date goes on more and more, it becomes easier and easier and easier to have conversation. Like that's what the puzzle represents. Interesting. Yeah. That's so, that's, that's the reverse of what, I mean, typically in a puzzle game, they start you off with like easier versions of the thing and then they work you up. So the hard ones, that's like completely reversed. Yeah. Yeah. They, that's cool. They they throw video game, 
um, uh, theory, I guess, like kind of out the window um, in place of like what tells a good story here. Uh, it's, I love it's that. It's really good, and you can beat it in like an hour. Like Florence is what I point to for the best narrative storytelling that I've seen to describe like relationships. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think that's neat. Uh, well, it's, it, it's like you said, I don't think there's many people that would argue that games are not art anymore. Like, you know, we, we've hit that point, but there's still further that yeah. games can go. And that's, I, I don't know. It sounds like Florence is one of the ways that games can really push like what you would think of as a traditional story or a traditional narrative or how do you tell it? And, um, yeah, that's that's a totally different way of playing and designing games than I think ten years ago was even something people were thinking about too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 100%. So super cool. Okay, um, I'm gonna move on to another question that yeah. uh, I'm really curious about um, because it sounds like you've been gaming for most of your life, basically. Uh, what was your first introduction to gaming? <sighs> I was four or five years old and my best childhood friend brought over his Sega Genesis. This was like the, I, I, my best friend was like one of those friends who like his parents got him everything. Uh, So he had all the consoles growing up. He had all the consoles. Um, he had all the BMX bikes, um, that we break our spines with. And, uh, he had a dog, I want a dog. Um, but most importantly (laughs) he had a Sega Genesis and he brought over, um, Jam and Earl two. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god which was a baller game uh I, I, that soundtrack has probably like come back like done a three, full 360 and now it's good again uh that is such a good game it, <laughs> it's uh do, do you know what Toe and Earl is I actually like I know the name but I'm not entirely certain I know what it is <laughs> it's it, it, it's a name that has real estate in your head um yeah like, like, yeah, yeah. Like, like you can't get it out Toe and Earl 2 one is very different um, from what I understand. <laughs> Two is a um, co-op side-scroller beat-em-up game uh, where you're, you're, you're two aliens on, like, um, Mars, and you watch it, and you're like, yeah, yeah this was inspired by um, <laughs> uh, 90s hip-hop media, uh, <gasps> 100%. Imagine Alien Flavor Flav, like, that's Toe Jam, and Earl's, like, this big... Um, shirtless uh, Duke Nukem like dude just in his boxers and you're going around uh, just punching aliens. Oh no, you're not punching aliens, you're punching human dudes that are trying to conquer the alien planet way ahead of time. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and that was wild. Uh, I, 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 I don't remember anything before age six, but my parents told me that I played that all night and they were forced to buy me a Sega Genesis when I was six on my sixth birthday. Forced to buy you forced. one. Yeah. Forced. They, they never got me Toe Jam and Earl though. They got me, um, uh, probably thankfully, uh, but, 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 but they got me, no, no, no. The, the game was great. They, they got me, um, like Sonic the Hedgehog two. Mm-hmm. And, I had that one. Uh, like 30 other games. Okay. So. I still have my Sega Genesis. I can see it out of my office right now. Sega Genesis, like really, uh, kids had hobbies. I had a Sega Genesis. That's fair. That's fair. All right. All right. So, um, so you started with this beautiful variety of games on Sega Genesis. That was where you, where you began the story of Nate. So what now, what would you say are your favorite games are and why? Oh, uh, okay. Um, 
So they ask you this question in every single game uh, design interview. Uh, so, <laughs> Do they uh, really? <laughs> oh, they always ask you what your favorite game is because they want to see like the the game developer interview process. I think it's very interesting. Um, but they, they ask you that question because they want to see like what stands out to you about games and also like what um, how do you critically think about games also. Oh, that makes um, sense. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. So I'm a avid Pokemon and Fire Emblem fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one of those crazy people who downloaded uh, Fire Emblem ROMs that were not released in America yet and got like fan translations. So I um, I think I've played every single... That makes me sound like I'm flexing. Uh, I've played every mainline Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, I played Pokemon Red more times than I can remember. Uh, and I've played... Mm, not all of Fire Emblem, probably like two thirds of the Fire Emblem series, which is like eight games. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, the, so it's so, so like those games I love. I I, I love I love Pokemon just because it was the first. Well, I mean, like you're you're around the same age as me. But Pokemon was this generational thing mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, that, that was wild. That just never it, it, I, I never let go of it. Yep, um, and relatable. I, I I don't know if you have these experiences with Pokemon. I I do. I have very vivid memories of where I was when I was um, playing through certain areas of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember like my war turtle evolving into a Blastoise for the first time, and I was on the playground outside of the daycare that I went to after school in like elementary school. Like it's wild, literally, right? like to to the moment. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have no idea why I have memories like that. Um, I, I remember I was on route. Oh, I forget what route it is. It's the route just south of Lavender Town mm-hmm. where you have, um, there's a bunch of fishermen out there. So I remember I fished my first Magikarp um, there in Amesbury, Massachusetts um, by Flatbread Pizza Company. And I remember this because there's a river. There's the Merrimack River right there. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I was like nine at the time. But I was like, whoa, like, like there's a river, there's a river. What? Uh, oh, so, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and I was playing with my best friend who gave me two, uh, who we, we, I played two, Jam and Earl with. So, um, destiny. Incredible. Yeah, Incredible. Was, yeah. So I, I, I really love Pokemon for nostalgic reasons like that. Um, and it, it's one of those games where I buy it, I play it and I don't go, man, Pokemon's being a trendsetter. <laughs> right now <laughs> i i just i i just really it, it's my warm blanket okay uh this is my favorite question of this section um so tell me about a gaming experience that was significant to you and why it mattered so ooh. um <laughs> I'm this loving is, these sound effects. This is a, I, I hesitate to bring this up as the first thing that, that hit my mind. Um, and, and I hate to spoil it, but, I, but, but I'm, I'm going to spoil Florence. Okay. Um, so in, in Florence, um, uh, I, I described it as, it, it's a story of a relationship, right? Between um, uh, uh, this, girl, this girl and this guy. Both mm-hmm. like really good for each other. They, they both like really encourage each other to like really pursue their passions and their careers. Um, and they really... Um, it, it's a very healthy relationship that's yeah. going on that, that you can see. Um, but, um, uh, shit happens, but you start to see the, the decline of that relationship as you play more of Florence. Um, and it sucks. It really sucks. 
because like you can see it coming from a mile away. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 not from a mile away, but like as it starts to happen, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and, 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 and like I'm tearing up thinking about it right now. Um, it's uh, the the moment that sticks with me is um, you see this photograph of um, of the two of you. Um, this is like after you've broken up, and it's kind of like torn to shreds. Uh, I I want to say you find it in the trash. I forget why it's torn to shreds, but it's torn to shreds. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're trying to put it back together. And you can see how the pieces of this photograph like fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do it, but the game doesn't let you, doesn't let it stick. Um, oh. Like, so, so like as it comes together, um, like 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 it fits. And then it's kind of like imagine putting together a jigsaw puzzle piece like on top of like water. Oh uh, my god! And and it starts to like drift away, and and like you're, you're trying really hard to keep it all together. You're trying so hard to keep it together. Oh my god! Um, but but it, it 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 won't let you. They do such a good job of uh, visualizing. Um, uh, I said it before, like relationships and how relationships mm-hmm. end. So even with me spoiling it like that, um, I still highly recommend Florence to people. Uh, and what was your question? Oh, recent gaming experience that, that, I, that I enjoyed. I didn't enjoy that. God. Uh, but <laughs> I, it, it really stuck with me and it really inspired me to, um, I want to make a game like Florence in my career at some point. I, 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 I yeah. want to make a game that's like so narratively compelling uh, that it kind of transcends uh, – um, how do I say this? I want to be able to make a game that, uh, anybody can play that is, uh, very interesting, uh, even with that easy level of penetration to, to get into it. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like Florence is such a good, fully realized, um, um, idea of that. I love that. Well, I look forward to playing that game when you do make it. Oh Yeah. All right. Well, that brings uh, this segment to a close. Um, So Nate, thank you so much for sharing all of that. Awesome. I've got a lot that I'm chewing on right now Um, and I'll be chewing on for a while. So thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. um, And when we come back, we're going to talk more about Nate's experiences as an Asian American game designer. So stay tuned. Hey friends, I hope you've been getting some great stuff out of these episodes. If you like what you've heard so far, please check out our merch shop over at victormediagroup.co. Every purchase supports me personally, so I would love it if you cover your shit in my stickers. (laughs) Remember, you can nab a replay merch over at victormediagroup.co. And once again, thanks so much for joining us at the game table. All right, welcome back to Replay. We're here with Nate Yell, who's a game designer at Iron Galaxy Studios. And today we're talking about his experiences as an Asian American game designer. Um, So the inspiration for today's conversation, just to provide a little context, um, there was this IGN article from back in March that talks about some of the experiences that Asian American game developers have had in the industry. Um, And I'll drop that link in the show notes so that anyone that wants to read it uh, absolutely can. I do highly recommend it. But I know that there were some things in that article that really resonated with you, Nate, and I kind of just wanted to start there. So like what what kinds of personal experiences have you had as an Asian American developer, like working in the industry? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, that article that Matt Kim wrote was really good. Um, A a lot of it, honestly, stories that he shared uh, were things that I didn't realize were unique to me. 
uh, or not unique to me, I guess, uh, uh, unique to Asian Americans, mm. uh, which is, it's one, so like being Asian American, it's one of those things where, uh, <laughs> um, he, he had a good quote in there, um, that, uh, Stephen Yoon, the actor said, uh, mm-hmm. where, uh, sometimes I wonder if being Asian American or the Asian American experience is like when you're thinking about everyone else, but no one's thinking about you. Yeah. Uh, and so, so like that, that rings true, uh, very much so. Uh, like it's, it's hard to think of myself as a minority. Um, sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes not, believe me, uh, I'm <laughs> not, not, not all the time. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it, it's one of those things where, um, I feel like I have to take a back seat a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, um, or like certain experiences don't, don't matter to me. There, there was actually, um, when I was at EA, we had this, um, Asian American Pacific Islander, um, group, this club, uh, that, that, that was really awesome and, uh, really made me feel like I was, uh, uh, surrounded by like, um, similar people, um, yeah. similar, similar experiences that, that was neat. Uh, and they, they, one of my friends, uh, he was like one of the um, uh, administrators, I guess you would say, one of the advocates of it. Uh, he asked me to speak during it um, or to to, to, to to have a talk about, I guess what we're talking about right now. And I yeah. felt super uncomfortable about doing it um, at the time because I was like, I'm 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 ha- I'm, I'm half I'm half Thai um, and, mm-hmm. and half white. Um, you're full Indian, <laughs> right? Like, like, like your guys' experiences trump my own, and 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 he um, talked me down from that because you know it sounds ridiculous as I say it, but but like he he said it, he's, he's like no, like our experiences are like the same. They're they, but like if you, it doesn't matter like how pure I say this in air quotes. Oh my god, uh, how 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 Asian American you are? Like everyone's experiences are their experiences, um, mm-hmm. and that made me, that made me feel a lot more comfortable um, about talking about stuff like this. Um, uh, because I guess when I talk about it, I feel like I have to be like the arbiter of that stuff, but that's not mm-hmm. like the term Asian is so huge, right? That like, it's right. as being the arbiter of that thing. Um, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, Asian, Asian identities are all, I mean, a Jap- the Japanese culture is very different from Chinese, which is, you know, Korean and Thai and, and like all of them are so different. So it's crazy to me. Like, even I remember thinking about Asian Americans and I was like, it, that's not even a useful term for me to understand who a person is. Like, it's not. It's really not. Um, especially because we all hate each other. Uh, oh my I, God. I, I, say, I, I say that jokingly, but all the Asian Americans I will hear this will know. Like, oh yeah, my parents like they they hate other Asians for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. That's I, so uh, funny. My my mom. I remember she she was driving on the um uh, I was, she was driving on the highway and someone cut her off and she was like, oh, must be uh, another. Uh, uh, Asian woman or, 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 or must be a Chinese woman. And she pulls up next to him and, and, and it's sure enough, it's an Asian lady. And she goes, Oh, oh of course, woman too. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, mom. You are, oh my God. You just slammed yourself there twice. Good job. Oh um, my God. Anyway, that was uncomfortable. Uh, the it's, it, 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 <laughs> as I die off screen here. Sorry. I, I, I feel like every Asian American that hears that though has those kinds of stories also. It's <laughs> good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, there's this, it, it's interesting that, that you say that, um, Asian American, like you, it, it doesn't really encompass anybody. 
right? Or it, it, it's so broad. Uh, even if you say South Asian, like that's mm -hmm. like, okay, India and like, are you talking about Southeast Asian or are you talking about like East Asian? Um, and even yeah. East Asian, it's like Korea is so different from Japan. Japan's so different from China. They, all three of them kind of don't like each other for different reasons. Uh, and uh, they actually brought this up in the article that I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the the most populous Asian Americans are um, uh, Chinese and they're mm -hmm. Indian and uh, Japanese are like far last or, or, or if not last, but like way further away from um, other groups, but yeah. they're the most represented um, in, in, in video games, which, you know, kind of, you know, like they have a lot of um, de developers over there. So it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying this out of bitterness, like I'm, I'm Thai. <laughs> I'm lucky if I see um, uh, someone doing Muay Thai in Street Fighter, uh, it's, it, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sad but true. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that makes sense too because I mean, you just said in Japan they have do have a lot of developers. You think Nintendo's a Japanese company? Um, Square Enix is Japanese. Like a lot of the really, really big uh, games in the history of video games as we know them, like originated in Japan. Oh yeah, it makes sense. And I'm believe me, I am a uh, <laughs> I, I, I wear my weeb uh, flag like up front. Um, <laughs> very much pro Japan. Uh, uh, it's good stuff. It's, it, 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 and it's kind of like what the article goes into too, where it's like the, the argument of representation in video games is kind of like not flimsy, but it's not like every Asian American wants to see representation across the board for themselves mm -hmm. in, in video games. Like, like that'll fix things. Like that's not what people are asking for necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, uh, it's more like we just want to see Asians in video games that just happen to be Asian. Right? Yeah. Right? Like, like, like they're, they're, they're just Asian and it doesn't matter that they're Asian. Uh, like, like that kind of stuff is cool. Uh, they, they, they bring up things like, I feel like representation is doing really well right now. And, um, they call them cast games, uh, multiplayer games like overwatch, um, apex. They do yeah, yeah. really good representation. They, they, they really hit the board of, all kinds of different races um, and characters that look very different from each other. Um, mm -hmm. That's happening really well right now mm -hmm. in, in in those kinds of games. But when it comes to single player games, like smaller games like that, that it's a little bit harder to come by. Mm -hmm. um, but I I do feel like that there's a trend going on right now. So I'm not trying to get on my soapbox and say like this has to happen. It's like I think it's happening. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I'm happy to see it. And I feel like that's happening because developers are becoming more diverse um, mm -hmm. as as time goes on right now. Like I've worked at Iron Galaxy and EA for the last um, five years of my career. So I guess half my career. Um, both those studios way more diverse um, than in the first half of my career. Um, yeah. Which is really cool to see. It's really, really awesome. How do you feel like that changes, um, like your experiences in the studio, like as it becomes more diverse? Oh, I mean, it's really cool to not be the only Asian guy in the room, right? Like <laughs> I that's, bet. <laughs> that's what I mean. I mean, like, look, early in my career, I had someone tell me, um, that I shouldn't be upset at being called Oriental. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, this guy was, I'm, I'm not going to out him, but, uh, he was my lead at the time, which was like, not great. Um, oh, and, man. Uh, I, I remember, I remember 
I remember talking to him and I'm like, are we really having this conversation right now? Like, like, why are we talking about this? Uh, and, uh, he, and like, I tried to exit the conversation, but he, um, wanted to let me know that I was wrong for, for being upset, for being called Oriental. Oh my God. Uh, uh so, uh, those conversations don't really happen anymore, I guess. <laughs> Good. Uh, thank God. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, so yeah, I've had, I've had really good experiences with, um, with more diverse studio makeups. Um, I was mm -hmm. talking about how EA had this Asian, um, American Pacific Islander group, uh, Iron Galaxy does too. And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to have, to, to talk to people and also like learn from other cultures and, um, perspectives because yeah. we're just talking about this, like Asian is very different. I'm not the only Asian in the room, but I'm the only Thai guy in the room. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, learning about uh, different like uh, cultures of India um, and, and Vietnamese cultures and, and so on is like really, really cool to see. Um, and also yeah. like how that's kind of similar to my own. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like it... Um... So if there's, there's more like Asians in the room, do you feel like that influences or, or like what impact do you feel like that has on the games that you guys are making? I feel like it lets us have good conversations, um, with each other, just regular conversations. Like, um, uh, I wasn't in the room when this happened, but, 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 but I've been told stories of, um, there was this person who was um, an artist and she was working mm -hmm. on, um, different hair for, uh, characters, for customizable characters. Yeah. And, um, one of our designers, um, th this black guy, um, came up around her and then, um, they both had a discussion about like how to create black hair, uh, and how to make that more authentic or like how to look at certain references and like, um, of that stuff. And like yeah. those kinds of conversations, like, like, like that, when, when even more diverse creative group, Mm -hmm. casual conversations like that happen. It, it, it's not like, um, oh, we want to make um, this um, certain character, this culture. Let's go mm -hmm. call our resident um, Korean person on it. Like, yeah. Like that's not what happens. It's, it, 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 it's more uh, of these regular conversations where when something seems um, like it can be tweaked a certain way um, because mm -hmm. of the perspective that you have, then like it, it gets brought up. And that's, that's very good. It's very positive. I love that. I, I think that's great because you, I, it's similar in other industries, right? Like if you have more people of different kinds of cultures that are represented in the room, you you just get a more well-rounded like product because people talk. Exactly. That's, <clears throat> that, that's exactly the way to look at it. And there's also, um, they say this in the article and I wholeheartedly agree with it. There's this myth that you can only make games from your own experiences. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I, I disagree with that. Uh, yeah. like you look at like Ghost of Tsushima, that was a game made by a bunch of dudes and, uh, du dudes and ladies and, uh, everyone over in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, but what they did, uh, th 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 there's a, a Garma Sutra article about it. Uh, th they really reached out and took full advantage of Sony, their, their publisher, um, to, uh, who, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Sony's Japanese. Uh, so shocking uh, yeah yeah so so whenever they would have reviews um they would um be very much in talks with 
um, the, the Sony board about directions that they wanted to go in. And I forget if it was Sucker Punch or if it was Sony who helped out with it. I'm sure it was a collaborative effort. But they but they got Japanese historians and whatnot to be um, uh, advisors, so to speak, on the game. For, okay, like a, like a culture, um, oh shoot, consulting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Yeah, and, it, and, and I bring that up because I think it sucks that that game it, it kind of has this reputation i don't think it really has a reputation it, it um like like on game twitter I, I think it has a reputation of uh because they named a simple black and white mode um i forget what the japanese director's name is but but they named it after him because mm -hmm. they did that they were insensitive to japanese culture it's like i don't think that's true i i really think they um you know i'm not japanese so like i can't like <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm not gonna die on this hill but after, after reading the effort that they went to in order to be true to what they were trying to tell, I think they did. I, I think they did the right path of of mm -hmm. what you should do for that stuff. That doesn't mean that they're culturally insensitive, if if that makes sense, because of because of that slip up. At least that yeah. that that's that's my take. Um, and like I will gladly listen to people who feel differently about that. Oh, I mean that reminds me of, like if somebody does slip up like that a lot of times, um, especially when it comes to like representation or, or anything relating to like people's identities or cultures. If you mess up like one time, a lot of times, a lot of people are very quick to like demonize you for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's what that's recalling for me is like, there's, there's been a lot of good, I would say different kinds of Asian representation, different cultures, but there's also been a lot of bad. There's been a lot oh, of yeah. stereotypes all over the place, you know, but <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's kind of like, like, do you throw out the bad, like, completely? Or is there like something like there to that? I think it's contextual. I, I, I think you need to say contextual about it. There was actually like, so I, I feel like it's very easy to, um, for internet rage to, um, tilt really hard a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, over things that may not match the magnitude of what's going on. And again, I'm full disclosure. I'm a Thai American. Um, no one has wronged me in video games with Thai culture. Big shock. My, my biggest representation is, uh, the main villain in street fighter two. So <laughs> whatever. Nice. Uh, nice. There, there's a, uh, and, and even Sagat is like, is he Thai? I guess I, 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 <laughs> He's got an eye patch. I can't really tell. Uh, he, he's, he wears the shorts. I guess he's Thai. Uh, oh my but, god! <laughs> um, there's this interesting thing that happened actually recently in Apex Legends, where mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm going to butcher this, um, but I'll give the like bird's eye view of what happened uh, because I, I, I think it was interesting. So um, Apex has a couple of Asian characters in, in their game, um, Korean, Japanese, space Korean, space Japanese. Uh, mm -hmm. and, of course, of course. Uh, Crypto, he's the, he's the Korean um, character. He um, was the face of Apex when they were doing um, uh, Stop Asian Hate, uh, and uh, which was good. Like, you can get a badge for it and like put it on, put it on your uh, profile of Stop Asian Hate. Like, it was really cool. Cool, um, they, yeah. They did a similar thing for Black Lives Matter also. Um, but uh, there was this... Um, uh, a lot of people were calling Ape, um, Respawn hypocrites, though, because uh, 
crypto had this emote in the game where he was doing this uh it, it was an emote where he pulls out he's got like a drone he, he pulls out his drone and it kind of looks like a boomerang but he plays with it like a sword and, mm-hmm. and, and he does this 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 one animation basically they, they name this animation as if it's a korean martial art or a korean dance um when mm-hmm. actually it's a chinese martial art um, oh and, and 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 you look it up and you're like Oh yeah, that's Chinese. Like, like that's definitely like what this was inspired by. Um, and Yikes. so again, Korea, China, not great, not friends, not not uh, the same people at all. So, uh, so this so this Korean community was <laughs> very angry at Respawn um, for 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 naming it this way. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought it was interesting. I I, I understood where they were being angry about it. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't take it to the degree of Respawn being hypo- hypocritical or Respawn not mm-hmm. caring about um, uh, Asian culture. That's a, that's a like as a developer, like I, I don't know what happened there exactly, but I imagine what happened was that um, an animator looked at a cool thing and they were mm-hmm. like, let's do that. Um, uh, and, and, and they probably Googled it real quick. Like, is this a Korean thing? And like, yeah, it's Korean. They go, okay, cool. And they didn't like, you know, get a Wikipedia footnote list of like, is this actually Korean? Um, yeah. It's Chinese. Cause it's subtle. It, it, it's subtle. Um, mm-hmm. animation. But when you see it, like, but when you compare it side by side to a Chinese um, sword fight, like, yeah, it's definitely that. Um, it's a, it's a slip up. It, 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 it it's a mess up. Um, but, but it, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't create this like cancel culture um, pitchfork um, mm-hmm. uh, moment, at least, for me, that, that that that's the way that I see it. Um, I, I I think it's cool that, well, okay. So you, you got to be careful about this um, uh, <laughs> uh, be, because I, I hate the argument of you should be thankful that you're being represented at all. Um, yeah. That's like a very <laughs> right. That's uh, like every time someone told me that like yeah, there was a gay person in this show, and I'm like, but they're a fucking terrible person, and I hated everything about them, and they were just oh a God. stereotype. Oh, but you should be happy they were represented at all. Everyone yeah. else was straight. Like it's the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's like that's <sighs> right now with gay characters, right? Like like yeah. a gay character is always a punchline. They're always serviced as a punchline. They're never serviced as like oh, he's, he's just gay. Mm-hmm. Although mm-hmm. I do think that's changing recently, which is you know another thing, another conversation, um, <laughs> another show. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, uh, yeah. I can talk about hours for anime. So th- that's I agree, and, and, and that's a very good point to bring up. Uh, is uh, you shouldn't be satisfied with just regular ass or just like being represented at all. It's mm-hmm. being authentic. Uh, to yeah, me, if that makes sense. Uh, like whenever the Chinese New Year happens, uh, should I feel bad that I? Uh, th- well, I'm not Chinese, but I- I'm saying theoretically, like, like, should I feel bad that, uh, I want to buy all this like Chinese new year gear, even though I know it's because they have a really big Chinese market and they're doing this so that they can make a lot of money during this event, <laughs> uh, to, uh, reskin, uh, this character in like red clothes. It's like, well, no, yeah. you know, <laughs> you, eh. you, 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 contextualize it. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah, it's all context. It's all context. I, and I think it sounds like. I mean, I know, so I know that there's tons of people that work on a single individual game to get it from, from an idea out to actually seeing the public. And there's in today's industry, like that's, that's going to be 
overwhelmingly not Asian people working on a game. So if there's representation yeah. in the game, like there's there's a pretty good chance that they'll mess it up. And I, and I liked what you said earlier about um, hiring like diversity consultants or like culture consultants um, as a kind of a stopgap for it. But what like how does that feel to you, though, like as one of those, I guess, Asian people, Asian developers working on these games like do you, is that a lot of pressure on you? Like if it seems like to me it would be so much pressure to like make it perfect representation or whatever. That's a really good question because I was actually um, uh, the Gusta Tsushima conversation. I was actually I was talking to a Japanese friend about it, um, mm -hmm. and they were they were on the end of being upset about it. Um, and like I was trying to understand them and see like why uh, where they're coming from with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of their points that, that they brought up was well if they made um, a game about tuk-tuks, um, Thai taxis. Um, mm -hmm. it was, it was a crazy tuk-tuk and it was, uh, like made by like the studio in like New Mexico. Like, would mm -hmm. you be upset about it? Um, and in my head I was like, that sounds like a dope game. Uh, but, <laughs> but also, uh, like only if I knew that they, um, that either their team had some Thai people on it or, mm -hmm that um, I, I'm aware that they got out and got some sort of Thai, represent, um, Thai consultant, Thai mm -hmm. um, person to speak to, then like, I don't, it's cool. Like I'm cool yeah. with it um, because um, I'm, I'm Thai, but I don't feel like I'm the arbiter of all Thai experiences. Exactly. Right? So how, um, kind of circling back to like, getting more uh like asian american people on like in the industry and all the different roles um so that we can have those more diverse teams and we'll have more people that kind of weigh in on what these stories should be do you have any ideas for how we can kind of make the industry more welcoming for asian americans i mean i know the trend is already there but what can we do to keep that going you know yeah um so there's a there's a few things that I think can can happen for sure. Um, one that I, I I would love to see, and, and, and I feel like it's already been happening with uh, uh, people of importance like Hideo Kojima. I really want a lot of Asian Americans to um, not um, put themselves in a technical role just because of their race. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, like like you can be an artist, you can be um, a designer. You don't have to be an engineer. You don't have to be um, an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be technical. Yeah, is yeah, kind of yeah. where you're going, right? Like this is this is combating the the stereotypes. Exactly, because it's very discouraging when take it from me. Um, uh, growing up, it was a, a little discouraging to. Um, I was I was decent at math. Um, I was decent at science, but I wasn't like an ace. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wasn't top of my class, and. That was discouraging because like I, I had these dreams that I, I wanted to be a, a game developer. Mm -hmm. Um and I felt like uh because I wasn't hitting this like <laughs> this like extreme mountain that I set for myself that I was gonna be a failure for it. Um that's yeah. not that's not true, that's not real. Um and when you see people like Kojima, um uh, uh who, you know, not the perfect example, I I, I want there to be an Asian American out there um that mm -hmm. uh is uh that combats the stereotype if that makes sense yeah um, 
there was this one really good um i was listening to espn daily the other day um not mm-hmm. not, not not video games sports um but <laughs> uh there's i forget what his name is but he's this um he's this indian american um uh anchor on sports center mm-hmm. and uh he was talking about how he was at like his daughter's graduation or something like that and someone went up to him and was like hey like you're real you like you are the reason why my why i want to get into sports journalism it's because of you and he goes oh what why and, and he goes oh well because you know look like he's also indian um and he goes oh because um uh i was always interested in sports journalism um and, and my mom would never let me like get into it because like she really wanted me to be a doctor and like always pressured me to do it until i showed her you on tv <gasps> and, and and he's like oh god <laughs> oh my feels oh. yeah hit yeah. me so, right in the feels <laughs> so stuff like that right it's like when you get people, um, people of interest, um, people uh, 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 more diverse backgrounds on the stage of E3 or whatever E3 is going to mm-hmm. be in the future, like that's really positive. You don't have to be um, a, a white guy to get on stage at E3, right? Like you can, yeah. you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, well, it's 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 seeing yourself in the roles, like yeah. seeing examples of like what you could be, right? Like it's 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 one of the same reasons I always say like, it's good to see like Kamala Harris in the white house, because that's probably, I mean, can you imagine being like a little black child and being like, Oh my God, that could be me. It's all about potential and seeing ourselves where we can be. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, with that, I'm just going to say, we're going to, we're going to cut to another quick break, um, and kind of shift gears when we get back, because I know we hinted at some tabletop RPGs, but we haven't talked about them yet. So, uh, we're going to, like I said, take a quick break and then we'll be back in just a moment. Get ready to quit the build. Hey, this is Nick from the quit the build podcast. If you're listening to this, then you're probably into gaming. And if you're like me, it can be exhausting keeping up with all the latest gaming news. That's where we come in every Wednesday and Saturday. Myself and Bruno are bringing you all the latest gaming news while keeping things fun and informative, plus interviews with gaming developers and content creators. Hope you can join us. Just search for quit the build wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're back on replay. So we're about to hear more from Nate Yell about his perspective on game development and game design. So we've been talking a lot about the video game side of things. That's where the majority of his experience is as a designer. However, um, there's a lot of overlap between tabletop gaming and video gaming, and especially on like the design and development side of that. So um, Nate, what are what are some of those like overlaps or things that they have in common? <sighs> um between uh, for, for game design yeah 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 so i've learned a lot playing tabletop um uh that has helped me a lot for game development i uh <clears throat> so just like some quick background i had not played a lick of tabletop and i was put on this uh dnd uh crpg game oh and i was like i should learn something and uh, <laughs> uh your your boyfriend vince was like oh yeah hey i'm doing this new monero campaign you want to do that i'm like oh yeah let's do that so that was my introduction into it and that was super super helpful um um i, I was a quest designer on that game and oh yeah le- learning that was super cool I-, I wish i did it sooner so the 
the super there's two perspectives, right? Uh, one is when you're a DM, and one is when you're um, a, a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I feel like every game designer should DM a tabletop game at some point, or or at least play, at, um, be a player. But like mm-hmm. ideally, be a DM um, because um, it, it it doesn't matter uh, how intricate your ideas are uh, as a DM. It's um, how good are you at adjusting uh yeah to, to, to pivoting to be flexible with your ideas um because like good dms gms whatever you want to call them they're i i i feel like the the, the biggest trait of one is um improvisation mm-hmm. and uh be, uh and also I- including other people um uh with things that you're trying to do yeah uh, uh, because no one wants to be railroaded into a story um, or a battle, right? But mm-hmm. um, creating the illusion to your players that like their choices, their decisions, illusion is a harsh word, um, but like giving them the idea that um, everything was so organic because of their choices. Yeah. Like, like that's a really awesome feeling um, to have. And you're gonna fail a lot initially uh, early as a GM and that's fine, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, it's totally fine. You're, you're, you're going to learn from it. I remember when I first played Shadowrun, um, it was a disaster. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> I don't know if you were there that night. Um, but I remember, uh, I was trying to do food fight, which is like the tutorial and uh-huh. I'm, an, I'm an idiot and I didn't read it because I was like, oh, we'll all learn together. It's fine. Not realizing how complicated Shadowrun 5th edition is. Jesus oh, man. <laughs> um, and I remember Joe, Vincent's cousin, was uh, got up and was like, eh, we can do this uh, later next time, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, ah, like, this, Give this, up. Is, this is a mess. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was a learning experience. Um, and by the way, I, I don't blame Joe. I, I love Joe to death. That that, that that was one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I I think it's a really good experience for game designers to to, to be a DM in tabletop, but also um, just any game developer to play tabletop at some point, um, uh, because in, in video game development, a lot like tabletop, uh, there's no idea guy that just drives the project mm-hmm. from um, first to home. Uh, it's it's a team effort, and being able to be flexible with um what you're working on and the direction of everything is uh conductive to the game like you're gonna have a better game and a better experience because of it so as a okay first of all can you explain the difference between a developer and a designer because i feel like a lot of people do use those words kind of interchangeably yeah sure sure so when you create a character there are four different paths of, of a game developer that that you can do um, there, there are, there's a, there's designer. Well, actually let's, let's not start with designer. Let's start with a engineer. That's okay. A pro, that's a programmer. Um, okay. someone who, um, is deep in like C plus plus or, um, the engine and they, they make, they, they basically build the car. If the car is the game, they, they, they build it. They, 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 okay. they make it all come together. Um, Second track is um, the artist, which is pretty self-explanatory. Um, mm-hmm. You have all kinds of different kinds of artists. You have animators, you have 3D modelers, you have concept artists. Um, they're the ones who figure out how to make the car, what, what the car looks like. Uh, and uh, the third track is the producer, 
producers mm-hmm. are uh, Excel wizards and uh, <laughs> are the guys who um, manage everyone and make sure that everyone is communicating with the right people uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, deadlines are being met or deadlines are being pushed back because of um, development happens. Like, like you're going to hit walls and uh, good producers are able to compensate for that and, mm-hmm. and adjust to it. Um, and then finally you have, uh, game designers, uh, and game designers are the most, uh, uh, <laughs> complicated to define of all those checks because, because a game designer is very different from studio to studio. Um, oh, so, okay. so, uh, but basically a game designer, I, 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 I'll say that this part is consistent for every studio. A game designer is someone who, who is part of a feature. Like, uh, um, what, what's a good example? Um, when I was on NBA Live, I was part of the presentation team, and I owned mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, cutscenes, right? Oh, so, okay. Uh, uh, so uh, whenever there's a cutscene involved, like I was part of it. Not necessarily. There's going to be people who I work with that listen to this. I were like, no, you weren't. But but it's like I, I, I kind of was. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if I got into what I actually did, it would be too complicated. So, um, <laughs> so uh, a designer owns a feature, and they um, work with engineers and artists to make that feature come to life, and then and they take it all the way um, home. Is what okay. a, is what a designer does. Um, some designers are more um, artistic. Um, like level designers are very artistic. They know how to make uh, terrain uh, look good and feel uh... good. Okay. Uh, uh, which is like what I've dabbled in. Um, and then there are more technical designers, which is what I am right now. Um, people who are very good at making, um, a prototype of what they're trying to do on their own. It looks ugly. It's awful. It's really unstable, but Hey, it's kind of fun. And then, and then everyone jumps in and like makes that thing come to life. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of like, like, in a where the design comes in is you're actually like guiding the the creation of the thing in a way. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're setting like a vision for it. And yeah. Uh, you're, you, you, you pitch the idea. Um, everyone, uh, takes your, you, you take everyone's feedback and then you, you adjust and you iterate on that thing based off of feedback or like how you feel about that thing. Okay. Yeah. That's very, that's very like design. Um, what is it? Design thinking, like applying that like repetitive. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, so is it true to say then that like every designer is a developer, but not every developer is a designer? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. I consider a developer is just someone who is one of those four tracks that I just said. Okay. Well, and also QA. QA. I can't figure out QA. They'll murder me if I don't mention. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's other pieces that come into this too, that we're, <laughs> we're not talking about. And if we are, I'm so sorry to anyone out there that feels left out, but, uh, you're important. You matter. You're valid. And yeah. <laughs> we, we you just, matter. <laughs> you matter. Okay. Okay. So that helps me understand then. So that's why, why every designer should GM, right? Because that's the, that's the parallel is you're actually sort of like creating, I don't know, like a, a world and a story for these people to yeah. participate in. Right. Yep. So what else, um, what else do you learn from GMing that you've been able to apply back into game design? So there's this really good, um, ideology that one of my professors to, um, spoke of, which was, um, you can't be afraid to kill your own babies, um, yeah. as a designer. And, uh, basically what that means is like, if you have an idea that's like not quite working, 
mm-hmm. you need to be uh, comfortable letting it go or, or yeah. modifying it or changing it. Um, because there's no idea out there that's good in a vacuum. Uh, and yeah. then you create it and like, oh yeah, it's perfect right from the start. It's like, no, no, like, like it changed over time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and with GMing, uh, not everything you throw out there is going to work. Um, yeah. a, a lot of things will, some things will work for certain players. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so some people will, um, be more, uh, indicative of wanting to, um, talk to NPCs a certain way. Some mm-hmm. people are going to want to explore. Um, there's, they're, everyone, every player is very different. Uh, and they talk about this at Bethesda, um, uh, where there's, oh God, what, what is it? It's like, there's four different kinds of players in RPGs. There, there's, a. am not going to remember the four of them, but basically it's like, there's people who like to explore. There's people who like, um, to absorb lore. There's mm-hmm. people who like combat and there's mm-hmm. people who, I'm going to say like loot. I forget, I forget what the fourth one actually is, but let's I feel just say like that, it's a it social one. It might be I think one of them is a social one. There's yeah. a couple of different models for the different kinds of players. And I know I've seen that one, but I'm getting them all mixed up. Yeah. It's different from game <laughs> to game, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but that's, that, that's the general idea of what you should have in mind when you're creating, um, if you're a quest designer, you definitely think about that. Um, yeah. Because, be, because you want to spin all those plates. Um, a certain way. Uh, you, yeah. you want to have variety in what you're doing. That makes sense. That makes sense. So then, so then by GMing, you're basically giving yourself practice, like having to sort of, I don't know, on an improv basis, respond to all these different kinds of players, like ruining what you're trying to give them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're, and you're also learning how to fail fast. Um, and it's, oh it's, yeah, it's not going to feel good initially. But um, you're, you, eventually, uh, it's not going to phase you when you fail. And you're like, okay, like, like I learned from that thing. And, and, and now, uh, because of the past experiences I've had, I know how to uh, pivot from that and make it into um, uh, learn from that experience right now. Instead so of like can, can, can you give me an example of like a failure moment that you felt like you learned from? Um, so... Shadowrun 5th edition, right? Combat is very crunchy. Shadowrun 5th edition in general is very crunchy as a tabletop mm-hmm. role-playing game. Um, it, um, to give some background on it, it's very... Um, when you create a character in Shadowrun 5th edition, it takes two sessions to do it. It doesn't take one session. Um, it, <laughs> oh my God. It, it takes two at best to make a character. Like I remember making a Shadowrun character and I tried to do it by hand because I was like, I have the printed out character oh. sheet. This is a tabletop role-playing game. I've made all my D&D characters by hand. This yep. surely will be fine. And I could not even follow the directions to do it by hand. And I had to download Chummer, the, the free program to that, that helps you track all of your character stats and everything. Like it was, it was a mess. Once you learn it, it's actually really fun, but, um, uh, the, the problem with shadow on fifth combat is, uh, I think it gets boring really fast. If you become a, if you treat it like a video game encounter, which is what mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of um, when I was first doing it. And by video game encounter, I mean like, oh, okay, there's four players. We're gonna put in like eight enemies or whatever, and we're gonna have, we're just gonna have combat. Mm-hmm. When r- really, um, I learned um, how to look at tabletop RPG combat as um, as flow. You look at the flow of what's happening. Oh. Um, you you have to be very 
malleable with what's going on in combat as if it's like a narrative of what's going on. Cause it should be a narrative of what's going on. Otherwise it's boring. Yeah. Um, so, um, the, the, there was this, um, he's called the angry GM. Uh, uh, he's got a very angry blog about angry things about GMing. Um, and <laughs> what, one of the things that he talked about that I really took away from it, which was really interesting is you think of combat as like a dolphin going up and down in the water. And every time he jumps out of the water, like awesome stuff's happening. And then he dives back down and then like, um, you explain how that thing happened and then, and then jumps back up crazy shit happened. Okay. Dive back down. Okay. How did that happen? Um, and you, you want to give a narrative spin to everything. Um, mm, so like, for, yeah. for, for, because that's more engaging as a player. So like, for, for example, um, uh, your character, chocolate mint, she was this, um, yeah. This this character that had like a bunch of different drones and uh, they could do a bunch of different things. You had mm -hmm. two different you had two cats, right? I had I had two cats that were like domestic cat sized, and then I had a liger cat that was oh, yeah. much larger that I got oh, yeah. way later in the campaign that was supposedly a healing mech and or a healing droid drone drone is the word I'm looking for, and it did not work. <laughs> She was bad it's, at it. It's it's literally <laughs> that meme of that doctor loading a, a pistol and he's like, I'm a healer, but. <laughs> exactly like every time it mattered i failed all of my checks for like first aid with that yeah. drone and i was just like well all right i guess your your arms disconnected and that's definitely not my fault guess i okay, gotta bye. murder again right. <laughs> so, anyway so, yeah so drones <laughs> so, so where i'm getting at with it is with combat in shadowrun in, in particular this is a lot of different systems D D fifth also i would say mm -hmm. um you have to be comfortable with like looking with recognizing the flow of how your players are feeling during it mm -hmm. and and being able to um pivot the encounter itself based off of um not the hit points of, of your enemies but um the narrative flow of the game like it's okay for enemies to retreat um because things are feel a little slow or 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 maybe an ally um jumps in an npc ally jumps in and like mm -hmm. wipes them out um like it's cool for that stuff to happen if it feels earned, of course, but yeah, you'll you'll learn with time how to do that with more gusto. Um, but don't feel tied to the numbers um, uh, of tabletop RPG to get combat across. Um, mm -hmm. Look more at just making sure everyone's having a good time with everything. Don't worry about the numbers. Yeah, don't worry yeah. about the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Worry, about, worry about the flow of things, which actually I forgot to, um, so I brought the dolphin analogy, but I didn't go all the way with it. So um, the, the, the way that the dolphin analogy works is um, like like you, you say what you want to do as a player, you, mm -hmm. you do the thing, you roll your dice, and what the GM does is um, the dolphin goes out of the water. You say, okay, you, um, uh, you dealt like, 3d6 damage to this mm -hmm. dude and then when he dives back into the water you explain like okay like you pull out your sword you um slash the guy's gut across um he, he he's panting over it because of it like what you did was like pretty fucking cool yeah um, like 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 that's the you, you throw narrative into every single thing that's happening right mm -hmm. now otherwise it becomes boring um, okay you monotonous. stabbed them and they took three damage like yeah. okay yeah yeah or or you missed it's like no 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 no. You 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 try to strike him with your sword, and then, and then and then the last second he, he can't you bring up with, with his own, and he's more he's more evasive. He or or he's got more dexterity than um than you in that quick moment, and is able to, to parry you with it. Like like make misses not suck. Um, yeah, you, you got some narrative flair to it, and that's another thing about GMing that I think is good for designers to figure out is um 
how do I get comfortable challenging my players? How do I get comfortable um, punishing my players whenever something bad happens? Because that's mm -hmm. something I still struggle with myself right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why I wanted to play Blades was because um, I, I feel like I'm a very, uh, you can categorize GMs in different ways, right? There's the war GM who um, sees everything as like a PVP thing. Mm -hmm. and, and then there's a the narrative GM. And then there's me who's like the nice dad GM. Uh, <laughs> I, I really like telling narratives. I really like telling stories. I, I, I love combat encounters, but I have a tough time um, uh, penalizing my players whenever something whenever they fuck up a role or whenever they do something that like I don't think is actually that effective to what they do so yeah so in blades the way it works um is you can succeed for sure it's very hard to completely su succeed but like 80% of the time when you roll um something ba so, you, you, something bad happens uh with that thing or or you um it starts out in your mind where you're like, okay, like they succeed at climbing the, the, the rope, but they also like, um, uh, like lose their footing. So like it takes a little bit longer to get up or something like that. Like, like you start to figure out like, okay, like what are good ways to penalize without like fucking them right now? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, stuff like that. It, it, it's very interesting. Um, because I think a lot of designers are the same way where they're either one way or the other they mm -hmm. um uh, with the needle they're either like super punishing um because dark souls is the best game ever created <laughs> uh or they uh have a really tough time challenging uh or, or, or penalizing players mm -hmm. with their systems you, you, i guess i guess you got to be comfortable and have faith in the systems that you have that makes sense that makes sense I think that's um, that's really good advice that anyone I, anyone that listens today, a lot of them are going to be GMs and a lot of them are going to be players. And I, I feel like just having that kind of awareness of like what what really goes into designing like a good game. Um, I think that players can contribute to that, too. You know, like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Uh, and actually. I think it's time that we should actually wrap up. So I kind of do want to leave it on that point. Like, yeah, we can, we were talking earlier about learning from your failures and learning to like iterate and, and become a better designer by paying attention to your failures and learning from them. So uh, I think that we just came completely full circle and yeah, that's a great st spot to stop. So um, the last thing I always want to make sure that I ask is, is there any like final closing message or anything that you want to get out to our listeners today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm a huge Conan O'Brien uh, fan and he just had his last show a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and he parted with um, a, a really heartwarming message that I, I really want to echo, which is um, it's not easy. It's really not easy. But if you, if you go out and you um, work on things that you love with people that you love, you will mm -hmm. find happiness if you do so. I love that. That's so wholesome. Yeah. Aww. Thank you. Um, thank you again for all the stories that you've shared. Uh, for myself, I feel like I walked away with like a way better understanding of what it means to be a designer and especially like the kinds of experiences that um, like Asian American designers have as different from maybe other other people um, in the industry. So I really appreciate you uh, talking to me about this. And um, yeah. I wasn't expecting Shadowrun rants, but we got there. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Super fun. 
listening. You can find episodes of Replay and all other Victor Media Group podcasts at victormediagroup.co. Replay is a VMG original and is created, hosted, and produced by Clara Mount. The show is executive produced by J.B. Adams and Gerard Mitchell with sound design by Aaron Trinka and original music by Bison. It's the mission of Victor Media Group to make the world a better place by making ourselves better people. If you like this show, follow Victor Media Group on your favorite media channels and check out Bison's other tunes on Spotify, Bandcamp, and SoundCloud. And if you want more Clara, check out my Twitch channel, The Real Bubblegum Titan. Extra special thanks to all my listeners for hanging out with us today. Keep on playing, and remember, you're always welcome at this game table. <laughs>